Father, I thank you. There's a there's a common thread in what's just being prayed, and it's about the breath. It's the Spirit of God, and it's that song, the declaration was drawing to an end, and there was just that presence of the Spirit. All I could do was just breathe, and it was... You know, Jesus breathed on his disciples and received my spirit. And the breath of the Lord is it's that tangible for us. It's the breath of the Lord. Now receive his spirit. Receive what he is giving. Receive him. So, Father, we, we open our hearts to you. We bless you, Father, for a time to worship you in song from a posture of a life of worship but to draw together and rejoice together before the King of Kings the resurrected King who is resurrecting me and we draw aside now to sit and hear from you Father hear your heart that we feed on life on real life from a posture of surrender to you So, Father, we thank you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Once more, (laughs) it's with fear and trepidation that I approach this thing. (laughs) For a couple of reasons, but one, because I know the weight of the word of the Lord. And for so long wanting to chase after it and now fearful to pick it up. But something that he reminded me of on the weekend was that we never stand alone. As I read in scripture and though somewhat lacking in follicle excess. (laughs) Here's a poor substitute for Moses. (laughs) Aaron and her. Oh, it makes baldness look good. You keep believing it, brother. Stood beside Moses. And they lifted his arm and held him while he held the rod of the Lord, the authority of the Lord, while a battle took place. So Moses wasn't on his own. There were those who stood beside him. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. And I know that sense that every person who's coming to speak the elders know that the word of the Lord is there and is, is speaking. And man, we heard it beautifully over the weekend at the leaders' retreat. Then, in the sense, even first, I stand here now knowing that I'm not alone, that there are those who help support. You know, the amazing thing for that, that uh, bit of scripture comes right after Moses' probably biggest oops. And he paid a consequence for that. You know, the, the people were gnawing at Moses. Give us water a second time. God knew it was a test of the hearts of the people. Where's your faith? Where's your sight? Which turned around to the people testing God. We do not want to be in that place, I tell you now. And Moses, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that 
Craig is Moses, yet I know he's a type of the apostolic call. Moses gave in to his flesh nature because in the second instance, the rock was struck the first time. The rock, the rock was only to be struck once. The second time he was to be spoken to, open, and let the streams of life-giving water flow, struck once for all men. The Moses in his frustration and his flesh struck the rock again. Now the rock opened, God's grace is there and the water flowed out. But Moses paid a price for disobeying God, for disobeying what was revealed to him and giving in to actually his own flesh. Now the story doesn't end there. There's a beautiful thing, and even while I'm speaking, I can see how it's weave, woven into what I know the Lord's laid on my heart for this morning. Because was that it for Moses? Any ideas? Anyone? What when after all Moses' life is over, when does Moses appear next? On the Mount Transfiguration. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? Oh, <laughs> Moses, <laughs> Elisha. And me. <laughs> I know someone else in the flesh that was there and says, Oh, oh no, what do we do? Build a tent? <laughs> that would have been me too. But you know, so the, the thing, the point is, it's not over for Moses. He made an oops, but it's not over for him. Even David, in all his oopses, and there were some big clangers. <laughs> you know, when you think about it, when you think about, even for Moses, a murderer, David, premeditated murderer, adulterer, who knows what else, avoided paying parking tickets, I don't know. Um, that's not me, by the way. Not that I know of, Lord. So, but... When you look at some of the scriptures that, that go on after David's life and the promises that are declared about King David, so whether he's a typology or physically relates to him, he'll sit on David's throne. He's not, it's not over. It's not defined by the oops. It's defined by the heart that's seeking after him to find out his ways. Not too sure why I go on to all of that, but there we go. Um. The, you know, just, I love what you're saying before about the Rex owner thing. Why? Why can't she see the steps? Or she can see the steps. Why can't we see the steps? It's something that I just want to speak on to and speak into this morning. You know, during the week, I knew the speaking engagement was coming up, but for some reason, and I, I'm going to have to sort it out. I thought there was another couple of weeks. I was mowing the lawns, got home early, mowing the, mowing the lawns, and the Lord started speaking to me about blindness. There's a different kind of blindness. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, what's that all about? Went through just dialoguing with the Lord while I was mowing the lawns. Then came, and I was thinking, oh, that's, that'll be good in the message, Lord. And just revealing where I'm at. <laughs> then when I sat at the computer, two emails would pop up, say, by the way, you're speaking on Sunday. What? <laughs> but I know that it was him that was laying on my heart and the very clear message is speaking about this is what I want you to, to speak on. This is what I want you to declare because it's, a, it's, it's me. 
And so I want to speak about there's a blindness. There's a blindness that I had, apart from these jolly things. Right now you're all just fuzzy blobs. <laughs> now you're all beautiful, good-looking people. Most of you. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just it's this, this posture of blindness. Over the weekend, we just had a leaders' retreat, and the Lord led me into a verse right at the start, and he showed me something in, in Isaiah. And I don't want to mess this up, so I'll just find it. Isaiah 6, Isaiah 6, chapter 6, verse 1. And it was just something that the Lord um, led me to in the, in the praying and our worship. And I'll tell you, this, the worship this morning, <laughs> there's something happening in this house, in this place. Do you know how I know it? All your promises are yes and amen. To all your promises are yes and amen. Very shortly, <laughs> it's going to come off the ground. <laughs> and pretty soon, both will be at once. <laughs> and I can't contain it. And <laughs> you'll help me, I know you will. <laughs> um, I, f- I found myself this morning, what is happening, Lord? I can't contain this. And it's not just, well, this is a cool song. Because I tell you, I know once this starts happening and this starts happening, this gets right out of sync. <laughs> you know, but there's something that's just rising within me. I don't understand it, but it's a joy I can't contain. And it's not just something at the rugby. It's, it's something different. There's a, just a, a groan or an utterance that can't be expressed in words. It's my love for him. When I close my eyes, I see him to dance around him and to worship him just for who he is that I can't contain. There's no shame. You're dancing to an audience of one. So it pays to keep your eyes closed. <laughs> but just be aware, because I did that at the gym, just about knocked out our CE the other day with the weights. <laughs> but I mean, I hope you can hear. There's something that's happening in this house that is lifting, it's rising. The volume of the praise. On the weekend, there was, it was like, I don't know what the choirs of heaven are like, but I'm sure they're getting, we're getting close to it. There was a volume. There was, you know, when there's one heart, one mind, one God, or one spirit, there is one voice. And that voice just, and I'm hearing and seeing that in this house. It's part again of what this, this message this morning is about, is this is becoming clearer and clearer. So he led us to this verse and says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And there's a a song that comes out of that, and it just becomes this beautiful worship. 
And a little while back, I, I looked up, I thought, what the train of his road, what's that about? I mean, seems to be important, it's there. Um, what is it? So I did a quick look. And it appears that when a conquering king conquers another king, he takes a slice off his robe and stitches it onto his. So the more kings you conquer, check it out, bro. (laughs) 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 Going to need some servants to pick it up and carry it around for me. And he has. He does have. The train of his robe fills the temple. As the song goes, fills the temple with glory. So the, the train is added on to by all the conquered kings or all those that he has conquered. Aren't we those whom he has conquered, whether by force or by submission, will end up conquered by him? And we willingly submit to him in a sense we become attached to his robe. Are we not his glory? The hope of glory in our hearts, we become his glory. The train of his robe fills the temple. The temple's filled with his glory. What does God want with gold and silver? He can make it like that. But the work, the gold, the silver, the precious metals, the pure work that he's doing, it resides in one place alone. Bang, right in the heart of man. And his glory is revealed. I love what you said. Pretty sure you said it. If you don't, I'll tribute it to you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I heard you say that you know um, the gospel looks for a person to dwell in. It's a gospel; it needs to be expressed, and it's to be expressed in mankind. The gospel is Jesus Christ Himself. So Him within us is needing that expression because it's the will of the Father having the gospel. Getting off my notes. (laughs) Having the gospel powerfully impacted within us, then a life that's living out of the gospel proves the will of the Father because the gospel's alive and active and then the gospel becomes the testimony of Jesus Christ. It becomes the manifold wisdom of God expressed into the heavenlies declaring who God is because he's alive. The gospel needs the body to be expressed and to show the manifold wisdom of God. And he will do it. He'll take the dead bones and I will bring them to life. I will make these stones sing if you do not. Don't doubt the power of God. He wants the dead bones alive. But I never realized I never realized the significance of this verse. I'll be bold, so you be bold too. Who has heard, read, and sung this verse in the context of just, not all those verses that are shown there, but just that bit that's there. So when you hear of that, you know, um, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted, exalted, and his train filled the temple. Often that's just where it sits. But we miss what happens next. And man, it is powerful. It is very powerful. The scriptures go on to describe a little bit about the heavenly environment and the, and the angels and what have you. 
But God has a mission, has something that is taking place. So he cries out. Isaiah cries out, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I... Sorry, this is verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah recognises his state. He recognises the state of the people that he's in. There's a humility that's just taking place because he's realising, uh-oh, where I'm at in comparison to what I'm just seeing, there's a problem. And I'm a man of unclean lips. The beauty is God has the solution. Who steps in? God does. He sends the angel. He takes the coal. He places it on Isaiah's lips. He cleanses the issue for Isaiah. Why in the lips? Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. The mouth will declare, will speak the reality that the heart is in. So I must deal with the heart issue. And then further down we go. Sorry, I need better sight. <laughs> See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? That's interesting, for us. And Isaiah says, Here am I. And God said, how do I do? Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. I'll go. But what for? This is so important to understand. What for? So what comes next? Remember, we just read that verse to start with about seeing the, the train of the, the robe filled him with glory. And it's all glory. It's all powerful. Isaiah is going to be sent to give a message and to speak a curse. This input on the people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left desolate and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. That's a pretty significant place of destitute. Actually, it's a bunch of dead bones. We're in that place to be able to have to come out of it. This is about seven hundred plus years before Christ. It's not over. <laughs> We're not just left there. Isaiah turn to Isaiah sixty one.
Isaiah 61. You know, there's some beautiful um, scriptures all, all the way through, well, obviously all the way through the scripture, but all the way through Isaiah. 66 chapters in Isaiah, 66 books in the Bible. Maybe one chapter for each book. But we see, we see some of the promises, some of the prophecies in there. You want a sign? I'll give you a sign. How about this? A virgin will give birth. You ready for that one? <laughs> I just got that thrown back on my face at work in the office the other day. Oh, yeah. The Spirit of the Lord came on me and I got pregnant. think she could have come up with something a bit better. You know? You just bide your time. Wait for the opening to share the revelation that it's a prophecy being fulfilled. And he goes on. 61, 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the freedom of the captives and to release the dark, from darkness the, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the, Lord, of the vengeance of our God. So he's gone from one end of Isaiah to the other, one end where he's pronounced a curse that says there's blindness that's come upon you, and to another where he says, I'm not leaving you there. I have a promise for you. You We hear about the prophecy. The prophecy is not something that's like way out and unattainable. Prophecy is something for us to step into. We've heard about the prophecies that have been pronounced within this house, And we're literally seeing those prophecies being fulfilled as people hear, see, turn, and come into what God is saying in this house. So, as I was mowing the lawns, the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, there's a different kind of blindness, or there's another kind of blindness. Now, I'm sure that we've heard a lot that's have been spoken, the messages, the words have been spoken here about the blind can't see, and, and clearly the blind can't see. In New Zealand, the, the legal definition of blind is that a person can't see at six metres what a normal person can see at 60 metres. So, and then from that right through to zero, blindness as well. So we tend to all understand and accept that, and we think of blind usually... That's where we'll just go straight to. So in one sense, um, I was blind. Now I see. I, I didn't know God at all. And now I see he saved me. I didn't even know that there was a, a God. Then he revealed himself to me and I see. So there's, there's that type of blindness in the spiritual sense as well. But there's a different kind of blindness. So I just wonder if we could have that first uh, slide up. That's the one. What can you see? There's a bunch of dots. What's the next one? Some will see. Some will still see the dots. Some will see faintly. Some will see relatively clearly, but some will see the first picture. And again... He spoke to me about colour blindness. That was there all the time. But I couldn't see it. My dad was colour blind. 
Thankfully, traffic lights sit one on top of the other because green and red all look the same. <laughs> so when the bottom one's are light, I can go. When the top one's are light, I better stop. But if, you, if it's just one light, sometimes you see the arrow turning light. That's one light. What happens if it's one light that's green or red? <laughs> For disaster. Usually those ones are either on or off. So when it's on, you know it's okay. Thanks. The, so this, this, this blindness, this colour blindness, and what he was speaking to me, I was in this. I know he spoke to me. I know that there was something innate within my heart from, from the youngest, earliest memory that I have of being drawn to God. And I think I might have shared it before about sitting in a Catholic mass, sitting looking at the statue, saying, just wink. What? No one else has to see it. <laughs> but show me. Show me. Desperate. Desperate to know there's something in this. Some of my heart is drawn. I don't understand it. But something doesn't also seem to align. When I sat in, a, a, in teenage years at college, went to a, a, ch- a church down the road from our, our college for a holiday of obligation. So we had, had, all had to go. Get there, get into this big church, sit down at the back, and there's a blackbird at the front trying to get out. And sort of sit down, then it became obvious. And thought, oh, wouldn't that be funny? That would be just like Jesus. And the dove sort of flies down, lands on his head. Guess what happened next? <laughs> the blackbird turned into a dove. <laughs> the blackbird turned around, flew straight down, and landed on my head. And then flew out. <laughs> no deposit. <laughs> no, I don't know where that was a sign from God, but it was just funny. That I was sitting here thinking, well, wasn't that? And then, all along, there were some things. Oh, I remember once even, and I'd walked away from the, from going to the Catholic services and what have you, and so I'd cried out to God, if, if, if you're real, which was a very safe bet on my part at this point, if I ever get married, I'll make a decision for you. No, no girlfriend, extremely low self-image was never going to happen, so it's a pretty safe bet. And in that time, I know I can. I remember one distinct occasion where I'd been to the to the clubs in the territorials in the army, and there was a club, so you want to go there and get tanked up on cheap booze. And I'd had enough to know I'd had enough, and it walked out on the street with a bunch of mates, and the other guy was getting married. The next day, he had a skinful plus some more thought I was somebody else, so came up to have a shot at me, and he's sort of wobbling like this and giving me what for, and I'm thinking, well, this is odd. (laughs) And I was right into martial arts at that time. I thought, I can give you one move right now, and you'll be on your back. But this is hardly fair. Look at you, you're wobbling. And the next minute, he clocked me right on the chops. You know what the first thing that came into my mind was? No, have a go at that one. And I was sort of paralyzing, and I wasn't walking with the Lord, but his word was. (laughs) And what was there had been sown 
was wanting to come alive within me, and I was struggling with my flesh, with what the reality of the word was that I didn't know as a reality in my own life, paralyzed, thinking, well, this is odd, I should be now slamming him, and yet I know I should turn the other cheek. So there's something innate that was going on with, inside me. But it wasn't until I got saved, and my, my Anne, I've said before, Dorothy Anne, God's precious gift. She's God's precious gift to me. Witnessed her confess before the Lord her need for salvation, thinking, man, that's different. I need to do that. Got on my knees and asked him to come into my life. From that moment forward, I then started to figure out God myself. And it's a trap that I know many, 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 many of us fall into. We'll pick this up and I'll read it and read it and read it and I'll study, I'll get study scriptures, I'll get study tapes and I'll listen to it and I'll figure him out. And what am I supposed to do? I'm seeing all these other people, these amazing ministries and the wonderful things that they're doing. I've got to do that. Well, what am I supposed to do? Uh, I don't know. Well, why don't you just do everything? Okay, so I'll do the lot. Believe it or not, even after what I just shared before, guess who became a bit of a worship leader? <laughs> and, <laughs> who's laughing? <laughs> I used to play guitar as well. I had about three chords and most of those were disjointed and <laughs> not connected correctly. And whenever I went to something else, well, I just kept strumming but off the chords until <laughs> it came back to something I knew. I was watching the other guy. Oh, okay, I'll pick it up. But I was desperate to find something to do to please him and to be involved in something. Got involved in children's ministry. I knew it was a gift and knack, something that I had innately and could relate with and get the kids involved and and pump up and make happen. Even got myself to a position of getting into a, a paid position to be a family pastor, to do something for God. You know, I missed the mark. I missed the mark because it was not something that was birthed in him. You know, Jesus said, go to the upper room and wait for me. He didn't say, going to be a little while, race off, do a bunch of stuff, I'll try and catch up with you, eventually we'll set it all in order, it's going to be a bit messy, <laughs> you know. Wait. There's a need. <laughs> really? Really? On the rock the second time. Turn with me to Luke four seventeen. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he goes into the synagogue. He steps up, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Remember we were just read from? was handed to him. And he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written, Isaiah 61. wasn't titled like that back then. Where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. If you remember what we read in Isaiah, that's not what Isaiah wrote completely. Jesus stopped there mid-sentence. Do you remember what the next bit was? The day of vengeance of the Lord. That's to come. But right now, that's not the place. A lesson two of his disciples needed to learn. Because that day has not yet come. Today, today is the day of the Lord. To release the captives. To give sight to the blind. Because remember, you were blind. I've come that the blind might see. And that curse that was put on, I'm going to break it. So that curse is broken through Jesus Christ. So that the, the reference for us now is not that I am blind, but it's rather that I can see. Now I was in that place, I was seeing, the, remember the question mark? I was seeing, but I was not seeing. I, it's not that I wasn't in Christ. It was not that I wasn't saved. It wasn't that I was involved in ministry. It wasn't that I was recognized people. It wasn't that I was put in place of responsibility and doing things. It wasn't that men of faith and men who had a, a place of recognition weren't speaking into my life and urging me forward and releasing me to do different things. I was in that, but I wasn't seeing you know, one thing that Moses, we're just praying, became clear to me this morning. Moses, when first called by the Lord after being broken, a man, you know, we often hear Moses, oh, I can't speak. We missed 40 years earlier. It describes Moses as a man who was very articulate, schooled in the ways of Egypt. He was strong. He was quite capable. He was a warrior. Something had to break. 40 years later, he's saying, I can't speak. What, what on earth can I say? Then when he's sent, commissioned by God, something else takes place. His wife steps in because the Lord said, I'm going to kill him. Well, hang on, that doesn't make sense. You've just commissioned me to go and save the people, now you're going to kill me. So she recognises he needs to be circumcised and so do the sons. She calls him a man of blood because of it. But Moses had to recognise and realise that he still has to learn something to come into the ways of of the Father. That's what I've needed to learn. I am so grateful that he has brought me here to hear the message, hear the word, the living word that he's speaking that has brought me alive in a way that I can't describe. I can only try and release myself more into it to receive more of him, to live more of him, and the gospel becomes very much alive and it becomes the, the scripture says you become the one that proves the will of God. How do you find out that a 50-ton bridge is a 50-ton bridge? You drive a 50-ton truck over it, and it's, the bridge is proving it is. So as this work of the gospel outworks within us, we prove the will of the Father, the manifold wisdom of God, the hope of glory in our hearts, alive and active, creating us to be his treasure.
his people, by his works. You have a look when you start reading. Just grab a, whatever colour you want and say, Lord, when you talk his or he, then I just highlight it. And you'll start to see. It becomes full of it, the stuff that he is doing, the promises that yes and amen is the work that he is doing. I tell you, I can give testimony. I used to frustrate me seeing Greg speak about this. I go, young whippersnapper. (laughs) I know you're right. (laughs) And I must be in it, but I'm not. It's somehow it seems out there. And that's a problem. <laughs> Keep looking at it as something out there that I've got to attain, I've got to get to. I'll never reach it. And I was talking about with Anne. I says, man, our lives are so full of stuff that we're doing. Why? For his, for his glory. <laughs> really? Then what happens when that gets taken away, Paul? Because it wasn't his glory I was worrying about. <laughs> Honestly, man, it's a ridiculous place to be in. Until, he, until I saw what God was saying as, as Greg was speaking that out. What did Moses do? Ooh, hang on a sec. Burning bushes, not uncommon. It's dry in the desert. And they just catch on fire. Burning bushes that don't burn up, that is uncommon. What is this? A burning bush that is not burning up, that's declaring right in front of me. What is this? Because this is real. It's something that my heart has cried out for. I know I love you. What is this? I'm going to have to be humble in front of this whippersnapper. <laughs> and it's with, it's with grace. I still love him <laughs> because of grace that's empowered me. Because it's not about Greg. It's never bowing, submitting in front of him. It's being in a position to submit to the authority and the word that's been spoken through him that had me right on my face on the ground. To cry out to him, I don't see this. It's right there. That's a question mark up there, by the way, for the colorblind, right? I need to see this because I can see it's real. And the, the things that were innate, just like when I was a young boy, that were inside calling out. You know, Paul talks, I was set apart at birth to the point where God then reveals himself to him. Just think of everything that took place in the meantime, even the death of Stephen. Look at the time for Moses and all the years that the Israelites were in slavery until the time that Moses had the revelation was revealed and released. I know it was something that was innate within me that was crying out for him in all the ministry. Is it possible to be in ministry? to be operating in the gifts of God and to not see. It is. I'm telling you, it is. Now, we had 
a beautiful early experience in that we came into the life of Christ in a brethren assembly. Now, the brethren assemblies generally not so hot on the gifts, but very innate about the fruit. So there's a lot about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and it becomes something that you experience and see amongst the people. I've never felt so loved as I was when we were in that, um, in that fellowship and, the, and what people would do. Now, we would also jump across the tracks, literally, and go to a church that was all about the gifts, not so much about the fruit. And so sometimes there can be this sort of, uh, you know what, there's a line, there's a way that's Christ's way. It's the Father's way. It's not either or. The gifts of God are given without repentance. But the fruit is the revelation of the gospel at work within me. You know, I was talking with someone outside this morning who said, you know what? And, and I've said it before, an apple tree does not struggle to produce an apple. How does it produce an apple? It proves that it is an apple tree. But by being nurtured, by being fed, by being pruned, by being watered in the right conditions what it is will produce what it does and so for me having that understanding that I don't have to try and out the fruit of him nor do I have to race around trying to demonstrate the gifts of him I need to surrender to him and allow him to do his living work within me that then I discover that it becomes a natural thing that I'm, and that, and well, I'm not perfect. The scripture says, be perfect, even God is perfect, so I'm walking into this. And I discover that there's more of his perfection is made manifest within me the more I press into him. The more I feed of him, the bigger the apples. It's beautiful. It is really beautiful. But I tell you what, there was this heart weeping and breaking and humility that must and had to and has and continues to be taking place as I discover more of him. I've tasted him and realized, you know what Moses needed to find? He needed to find the Father's way. Well, who did Jesus say he is? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If I want the life, I need to feed on the truth in the way, his way. His way is beautiful. He will do the work within me. And I'll step out according to his leading and according to his freedom. I, I really hope and pray that we can hear this, this blindness thing. There's the blind from not seeing. Those who come to him must first believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. How are you going to come to God if you don't even believe he exists? Even to the point where you might be saying, I don't know if you're real, but I'm crying out. If you're there, show me something. At least there's an acknowledgement there is a something and a to seek. And if God reveals in his way, then he's looking for those who diligently will then pursue him. Then it's a matter of Jesus. No one comes to me, no one, unless the Father draws him. Our prayer here is continually, revelation, Father, revelation of Jesus Christ, draw us to Jesus. 
Because it's the only way we can come to him. And Jesus says, no one comes to the Father or will know the Father except they come through me or to whom I reveal him. And his ways for us to live this resurrected life, that we become part of that, that train, the train in his robe, that fills the temple with his glory. The gifts that he's given us himself, the hope of glory in our hearts, becomes the very gift we're able to give him back. I hope and pray today, today's the day that you can hear either, God, I need you. I need to see you, that I might walk in a freedom and a peace and a joy that's indescribable. Or, Lord, I'm in you. I want to humble myself before you that you would show me what I'm not seeing. Father, open our eyes. Father, grant us the Holy Spirit to teach us. You're not a God who will give a scorpion or a stone for a son who asks for bread. But you are a God who brings life, who brings a grace gift, who brings freedom, who brings joy, who brings life, who brings liberty, who brings and gifts himself and places himself in you, the very living God, the hope of glory in your heart, that he wants to set us free to love and serve him.